You are looking live at the fifth year podcast with Parker Biggs, Zach Ruley, and Clint Maxey. Ladies and gentlemen, can you believe it? These guys are the best with this podcast. Don't even think of making a wager on this upcoming season without checking in with Parker, Zach, and Clint. Take it away, guys. Welcome back to the Fifth Year Podcast. As always, we've got Clint Maxey, Zach Ruley, and Parker Biggs here, and we're thrilled to be joined by Eddie Radozovich of Soonerscoop.com, which is the premier site for uh, Oklahoma Sooner content. Uh, make sure you follow Eddie on Twitter at Eddie underscore Rado. And, uh, yeah, we got a lot to hop in here with. Uh, football wrapped up, college basketball season in full force, all the offseason football activity as well. So, Eddie, uh, thanks for uh, joining us. Gentlemen, good evening. Uh, what's happening? It's kind of a, uh, I don't know. I, I, I enjoy this part of the year. The NFL football has been really good, but uh, it is sad time uh, at the same time because there's, there is no more college football. So the countdown to, uh, I guess, what is uh, August begins. And the, the funny thing is it's like almost like the last month, really since the season ended with all the transfer portal stuff, it's almost become a little bit like the NBA where the off season's like almost just as interesting as what is going on within uh, the, the regular season. So it's been kind of interesting, kind of fun to follow. And, uh, you know, particularly for the two state schools, which kind of seem, uh, I guess, in different uh, experiences with the portal, but uh, it's been fun. Yeah. I gotta be honest. It hasn't been real fun from my perspective as an OSU grad I can imagine. And fan. It's been yeah. quite the opposite. It's terrible. Hey, we got to commit today yeah. from a hey. D three tight end though. So, Watch, I've seen some out. good some good spin zones though from I de- from my OSU friends. The only spin zone I have is that Gundy typically pulls shit out of his ass when he really needs to, and next year he's really gonna need to. That's about the only thing I can think of. But been rough. I there was a lot of stuff that you know happened, I think that people were aware that could happen, but I don't think I I don't think I truly thought Spencer Sanders was gonna actually leave. And then if he did, I thought he was just gonna declare. Uh, yeah. to know he's like looking around at other schools and stuff. It's just been, it's been weird. And then every, the exodus that happened after everybody else was just even weirder. I don't, I don't know. I just don't, I would, I would like to know what's going on. Like from the outside in, it feels like there's something bigger there than actually is, but everybody continues to say that everything's good. I don't know. So I don't have, and we're not, we don't need to dive too much into it. After all, you were a no you guy, but it, it does seem from what I hear, and what I've been told from people I know who actually played for Gundy is that it's not that the relationship is bad between him and the players is that there's, there's no relationship at all. So right. asking him to change that in year 22 or whatever it is, that's not going to yeah. happen. There's just no chance. No. So we'll see. Yeah. I, I, I heard the, uh, the communication stuff was rather big with a lot of those players that, yeah. you know, decided yeah. to go elsewhere. I think, and I then obviously uh, Trace trickle down effect, great forward and all those guys. Yep. yep. Have you had the chance to talk to any of the, any of the incoming transfers? Uh, the OU guys? Yeah. Uh, no, not not really. Not in any type of like official capacity. We'll probably be able to talk to them. Uh, you know, once spring football starts ramping up, which will be, God, only truly like the beginning of March, probably middle yeah. of March for the spring football. So, um, we'll get to talk to those guys in due time, though, and you know, talk to Trace Ford and all those guys about you know. Josh McQuishan uh, talked to uh, Trace, I believe, and did an interview with him. And, uh, you know, there's some stuff off the record as well. But, yeah. uh, you know, he definitely bought into what, uh, you know, Oklahoma's trying to build defensively and, you know, specifically what uh, Miguel Chavis and uh, Todd Bates have offered just as far as, like, you know, what they can they think they can do to get him developed. I think it's going to be more about him just staying healthy. I, I love what they've done on the defensive line and, uh, you know, through the – transfer portal just in general getting to Sean McCulloch and uh guys that are going to come in it's it seems like almost every guy that they brought in it's not gonna he's not gonna win a Blitnikoff like Andre Anthony's not gonna win a Blitnikoff uh you know Trace Ford's probably not gonna win the Outland or the Buckus but it's gonna be they're gonna be guys that contribute from day one and I think that you know when you're looking at trying to rebuild uh and you know go as far as Oklahoma needs to go to just get back to almost a respectable level defensively um it's they've kind of pushed all the right buttons but you know nobody's gonna give a shit if it doesn't work out on 12 saturdays of fall so uh i they kind of bought themselves time not that they needed to but it's been kind of interesting to follow and 
uh, you know, specifically on the defensive side of the ball, it feels like they've kind of restructured that thing with guys that they have coming back. It should be uh, it should be a big positive for them uh, going into year two, which you know historically, uh, Brent Venable defenses have taken that you know metaphorical jump in uh, in year number two. So it'll be uh, it, it's going to be kind of an interesting pre uh, spring just as far as like you know that, and then obviously the influx of uh, early enrollees that they have with. Uh, you know, kind of a star-studded group led by Jackson and PJ and Peyton Bowen and that whole host of uh, guys. Phil Picciotti looks pretty good in some of the pictures they put up. So um, they they definitely answered some stuff in uh, in in the trail on the recruiting trail and in the transfer portal. Now is it going to come together? I think it's probably the most important uh, question that has to get answered. Would you say your expectations for next season or have like have been raised? I think. I mean, it's clearly a good group, um, but I think the expectation going in was probably, you know, oh, you should bring in a good, a good haul of transfers. Is it like, has it exceeded what your expectations would have been? I think it exceeded the expectations just because of just how poor everything was throughout the season. I mean, for them to go six and seven, if you were to tell me, uh, you know, when they were, you know, four and five or, you know, having to rally basically to make a bowl game even, uh, that everybody – outside of Colton Bassick was going to not only sign, but they were going to get Peyton Bowen in the end. They were going to be able to close on some other uh, guys that, you know, they feel like they've evaluated well, like an Ashton Sanders is a, a, a decent example of somebody that maybe was a little bit of a surprise that you wouldn't have expected. I think that they were able to hold it together enough that makes you think, okay, the message that they're preaching, the message that they're trying to uh, give to, uh, you know, these elite talents out there, it's definitely – being received but obviously you know you always look at the season in, in two different lights it's like yeah they went six and seven but they had four or five losses by one possession and you know the last four games they lose on the final possession of the game how far are they away from winning those games as it is to just completely turning it around and actually winning those games and those games not being one possession games like how how far are they actually so there was some stuff that, you know, you look back on and you're obviously should be unhappy with as an Oklahoma fan. But, uh, you know, I, I think that maybe they get the benefit of the doubt just because they've won so much. Uh, you know, obviously Brent hasn't done it as a head coach and that's always going to be there uh, until he does. But at the same time, I do think that there are some positives that you take away and you go, OK, maybe this thing was, you know, worse off maybe defensively than anybody truly wanted to admit as bad as things were. And if they can just get some experience, you see guys like I, I thought the the uh, Cheezable was a perfect example of guys, uh, you know, whether it be a Woody Washington or even, you know, a Danny Setsman, who's been kind of the uh, the league dog as far as criticism at the linebacker position besides David Awegbu's in the portal now. And um, he flashes like he looks great at times. And then you also go, yeah, he, he led the Big 12 and tackles this season. What can that look like in year number two under Brent? And I think that there's reason to have optimism and there's reason to have a little bit of excitement about what it could be. Uh, but there are some very real, like, game managerial stuff that I think everybody is aware of that watched Oklahoma play this season uh, that, you know, is that going to just change overnight? Are you are you going to be able to learn from those experiences? Uh, you know, the discipline within the football team and, you know, lining up offsides in Lubbock that costs them, that extends the drive, stuff like that, that you just can't do. Like, good teams don't do that. Mediocre teams do, and you end up getting mediocre results, which was kind of what the season was, uh, you know, as a whole. So you can kind of talk yourself into thinking either way, but it's, um, you know, I don't think anybody's on hot seat or anything like that. Um, I do like the Emmett Jones hire replacing LaDamian Washington, that sounds like that's going to be a positive, just if nothing else, because of the DFW connections, the recruiting. It sounds like he is a dedicated, uh, you know, developer of wide receivers. And if you look at what, you know, obviously Oklahoma had an up close and personal look with what uh, they were able to do with some of those guys this past season down in Lubbock. So, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a bunch of positives, but at the end of the day, you can't go six and seven again. You can't, you can't go out and uh, lose 49 to nothing in the Cotton Bowl or whatever the hell it was. Um, you know, there were just there were moments throughout a season that you give the benefit of the doubt in the first season, but it's going to have to get fixed uh, moving forward or, you know, there will be bigger problems. What real quick, what would and I've asked Clinton Parker this too. in your mind, what 
what they have to go next year for Brent Venables to not be the head coach in 2024 or oh, 2025. Man. Does that record I exist? It would, I mean – Maybe something like a you know one in ten, one in eleven, and okay. oh by the way, there's you know the entire program's in trouble. Like people are getting arrested on the weekends. It's it's truly become an embarrassing situation. I, I obviously three and eight. I don't. I wouldn't advise them to go three and eight. I wouldn't try. And, I wouldn't tell them to test it out. They'll have pitchforks uh, outside his house. Yeah, like I things things would become like. It'd be like uh, January 6th at the Capitol in Norman every day <laughs> if, uh, if Oklahoma goes three and eight next season, which, you know, uh, obviously that sh- that I don't even know if that's a reality that that could happen. So, uh, you know, they'd have to have a lot of injuries, that kind of thing. I don't think that there's an actual number out there that, um, you know, I, I definitely would advise them to take a step back from six and seven. That better be the uh, the bar. I was about, I just asked because in my mind, maybe I give, I'm too unrealistic with what I think OU is. And I think OU is a top three sure. program. I think they're a top three program in America. So like to not, make, yeah. to not win seven games last year, like it's just kind of like, Hey yeah, man, what, what the mean, hell are you doing? And, so you, and there were so many, there were so many of those games that it just like, it just never came to fruition. Like you, you have opportunities in the fourth quarter. It's, it's almost like every game was the same game that unfolded as far as, you have opportunities to go win the football game and you can't get off the field or you can't, uh, you know, move the ball and go score to really solidify yourself in uh, the lead. Uh, that was kind of their problem. And, you know, I, I, I think that there are some similarities to what they did in 99, just as far as uh, winning. Then they happen to win a couple of those games. And, you know, people are talking about this season a lot differently if they're able to just pull two of those games out, uh, you know, and, and end up going, what would that be? You know, I guess like eight seven and, or eight, eight and eight and five, eight and five. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. what, say whatever that you want. A lot that was another, that was a kind of another one of those games that you're in the game late, you have a chance. And I think it kind of exceeded everybody's expectations. Uh, just the way they played against the Florida state team that enters 2023 is, you know, I think a lot of people's darling going into the season. I'm, uh, I'm curious what you think about the defensive coordinator situation and kind of like Zach's question earlier, not, Venables, but if the defense struggles yeah. next year, because you know it is Venables' defense with Roof, it's exactly what he would do. What are your thoughts sure. on that? Does Venables call more of the defense? Parker thinks he needs to be more in the leadership role, head coach. But do you bring in a young defensive coordinator and kind of take Venables' do? brand away? Like, what are your thoughts? Does on he that? currently call the plays on defense? I'm curious about that right? because Roof, I've heard, does. But then you see Venables on the sidelines calling it in. Maybe he's just helping out, but. I, I, I think it's like something that they would call a collaborative effort. Uh, what you want to actually believe of that, you know, I think it's probably up to your judgment. I, I don't think that Brent Venables could be more, uh, um, you know, I think Teddy Lehman said it during the middle of the season. I don't think he could be more involved in the defense and what everything was. Uh, and it's almost, you know, I, I think Ted Roof's always going to kind of be the scapegoat for everybody. Now, that's not saying that I don't think that they could go younger at the linebacker coach position either. Like, uh, I, I do think that, you know, I don't think that they're going to make any moves this season, though. I think it's probably too late in the process. They're going to go into spring with Ted Roof as the defensive coordinator. Uh, you know, I, I would take a wait-and-see approach just as far as what they actually look like uh, next season. Uh, they, you know, obviously are going to have an influx of talent. They're bringing a lot of guys in. They brought in a lot of guys in and portal, obviously, uh, you know, remaking kind of the defensive line. Um, I, you know, don't see any way that Danny Stutzman doesn't become an all big 12 type guy. Like I, I have a belief that he can be really, really good. Uh, that's not to say that he doesn't need to mature a little bit off the field as well. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It, it, it's certainly kind of interesting to look at what Oklahoma was defensively this year because they they were off. They were flat out awful at times. It was it was almost in a way it was almost worse than what we saw in seasons before this past season because you went back to this idea that this was never going to happen when they hired Brent. This was never supposed to get this bad. And so I don't know. It, it's one of those things. It's like I almost looking back on it, you didn't want to admit things were as bad as they were just from a talent perspective, like just from a development perspective of, you know, the previous staff just simply wasn't getting it done. And now you got to give it a little bit of time, I think, 
to get this thing righted. And I think that this group can, um, you know, and that's not to say that I don't think that like, you know, I don't think they're going to fire Ted Roof, but I can certainly see why there is a segment of the fan base. And I might even agree with them that, you know, what, what does he actually do around there? Like if, if he's not calling the defense, you need to bring somebody in that, you know, has a good handle on it because there are some things that Brent Venables, you know, if he's going to be the head coach, he needs to really embrace. And I think that that's where you get into the game management stuff. That's where you get into, you know, why'd you take a time out there? Why didn't you uh, use a review there or, you know, just things that probably would be a little bit more calmer. I think it looks so hectic at times on the sidelines. Uh, Maybe you would be able to find, a little bit of calmness if everybody just had a little bit more uh i don't know identity of what they're supposed to do i don't know if that's mm-hmm. the right way to say it uh it just it, it seemed like you're almost preventing yourself from uh you're causing yourself more problems by by not just making a couple moves here and there i say all of that though and you know maybe they maybe they turn into a top 45 defense next year or something uh shit Top forty-five right now would be uh, would be incredible compared to what it's been. Yeah, if if you, I mean, is it as simple as you know, as as atrocious as they looked at times last year? They really do have some pieces, especially on the back end, heading in the next year. Is it as simple as you know, you add a couple? I mean, you know, they, they miss on a couple this year, but if you end up, you know, adding at some point in the next few years an elite deep alignment or two that can get after the quarterback, yeah, you gotta like what they're doing. You know, building the. They're good. They've got good pieces at linebacker, and they've got a ton of depth now in the second secondary heading in the next year. Sure, and you know, I I think that you know they, who's not looking for an elite defensive lineman outside of Georgia and Alabama, and maybe an LSU every once in a while. I think that you know, join the party. It seems like as far as college football goes, uh, you know, how many times did they get in? How many times did they get a team into? And you saw it in the bowl game. Like, how many times did you get into third and long? How many times did they get in third and long and just mm-hmm. able to get off the field? But week in, week out, too. Uh, yeah. And I I mean, they at some point that has to like the odds have to be back in your favor at some point is just keep putting teams in third and long and find a way. Uh, you know, they had all those tackles for loss at the beginning of the season. And surely you start playing better offensive lines and stuff, you're gonna run into those problems. Uh, you know, that's I think where you you would hope uh uh, a Bothroyd kid, uh, you know, the, the Rondell Bothroyd from, from Wake Forest, or, you know, I don't, I don't think Jacob Lacey's going to end up being like a, a day one defensive tackle, but he should be able to help you there. Uh, you know, Trace Ford hopefully stays healthy this season. Uh, it, it just like, they need to get more guys in there and you have to like that. They were able to go get some guys with uh, a bunch of uh, experience. And then on the back end, they return a bunch of guys and they, they're bringing in a bunch of guys. I mean, Peyton Bowen's a different type of player than they've had, uh, you know, in the last, you know, four five, six seasons down there, he should be able to come in and contribute from day one. Uh, you know, I, I, I still think that Connie Walker has a lot of football left in him down in Norman. So uh, they have a bunch of guys in the secondary that, you know, as, as much as you, uh, you know, hate to just say, be patient. It's almost kind of one of those things that you just got to be patient. And hopefully it takes a little bit, a shorter amount of time than maybe people think it does right now. I think I'd be pretty comfortable with Bowen and Bowman back there next year. Yeah, I would love that. They, it's it's kind of really, crazy really to good. have like, the feeling of depth in the secondary. I feel like sure, I haven't had that. In, sure, can't remember yeah. how long. I you know, Key Lawrence is back. I, I think there was some concern. I mean, I don't. There was no, nothing ever really behind it, but it, there seemed to be some concern out there that you know he might hit the. But that that's and what no real key, big names yeah. out of. They did a good job of, 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 you know, getting, you know, it was probably some processing going on, but where, you know, they didn't lose any. I mean, Guaybu was going to, you know, he, you know, good numbers, but there was, I mean, ideally he's the type of guy that you could, you know, replace. Um, but besides that, they really didn't lose any true no, contributors on like, defense. I'm not trying to, definitely not trying to like just shit on kids, but you look at the guys that they lost in the portal. And I think one of them, has ended up at a power five uh, and that's Theo like yeah from a from a talent evaluation like go look at the 2019 class one my buddy sent me a text message earlier today I don't have it on me but um go look at the 2019 class and just what that turned into I think there's one player in the NFL right now and you know 
defensively, especially forget about it. It's just like it, it, they, they need to take strides in that department. It looks like this first recruiting class did that. And then some, when you add in a PJ out of uh, you know, a kid that Josh McQuestion was really high on that he saw in San Antonio uh, was Macari Vickers. He think I mean, Macari Vickers physically looks like one of those guys that you, that's what you want when you're bringing in a highly touted defensive back uh, out of high school. So, you know, I think even a kid like a Kendall Dolby is going to answer some questions just as far as uh, just bringing flat out depth to a program that hasn't had a whole lot here over the last couple of years, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So um, I'm, I'm super excited about the, the linebacker group. You know, obviously Danny's going to lead kind of the way and get Kobe in there, get Kip McKenzie or uh, get Kip Lewis in there and Kobe McKenzie. Uh, you know, Jaron Canick, obviously, uh, you know, Phil Picciotti is going to be a guy that should uh, be interesting. And then you add in guys that have already been around the program, like a Shane Wider, who got hurt this year, that certainly would have played uh, in added depth uh, to this this past year's team. So, you know, I like David Awego. I think I said this on the unofficial 40. Like, I, I love the kid, but, uh, you know, I think it was one of those classic transfer portal cases where I think it works out for everybody. Uh, you know, he can maybe go back, play defensive end, maybe end up at Houston, something like that. And, uh, you know, obviously, oh, you might have to run into them again with the Big 12 schedule and all that kind of stuff that's coming out. But, um, you know, you get more opportunities for guys uh, that that, you know, might end up being better players at the end of the day, uh, you know, with him out. I want to circle back to uh, something you brought up earlier, and that's the hiring of Emmett Jones. Is there I know they've brought in Anthony Kidd from Michigan. You know, they've been flirting with other players it seems is there are they gonna end up uh making another move there yeah i mean i think that if they do i think if they do make another transfer portal move it will be at the wide receiver position uh the problem right now is and you know as we're recording this the uh the the deadline to put your name in is tonight at midnight so if you don't have anybody else that's added to the mix here over the next couple days uh and i think that you know the schools do have two out or or uh two days to put a kid's name in once he has to put it into the transfer portal. So over the next couple of days, there will be names that come out. Uh, you know, do I expect that to be a big name? Like, do I expect to save your worthy to all of a sudden be in the transfer portal? Probably not. Uh, and so then you go, okay, well, you know, what's the next move here? Because uh, they do need to keep adding to the wide receiver position. It'll be interesting if they don't go for the transfer portal, uh, you know, if Emma Jones tried to uh, reconnect with anybody that he saw in the DFW area in the spring foot and the spring uh, spring evaluation period, which, you know, it's you're you're now you're talking about almost under a month from uh, the next signing day. So they're going to have to get moving at that position. It's probably, you know, you look at the guys that they're returning right now. It's just kind of fascinating because, you know, there's always been somebody they go. He's going to be the guy next year. I think everybody expects to look for Roop to be the guy. Uh, you have really good uh, returning players in like a Drake Stoops or a Gavin Freeman, uh, you know, and then there's a whole host of guys that, you know, are going to need to take advantage of the opportunity. You just don't know. You think that they're going to be pretty good someday. Uh, you just don't know until they get out on the field, whether it be a Jaden Gibson or a Nick Anderson, uh, you know, and some of the guys that, you know, obviously have been in the program for a while. So uh, they're not young by any means at the position, but they are just in terms of, uh, you know, certainly experience. And it's going to be kind of interesting to see how it all comes together during the spring with, you know, obviously an incumbent quarterback in uh, Dylan Gabriel, uh, you know, Austin Stogner, I think is probably going to play a big part in this, uh, this offense and how they use Caden Helms and uh, Jason uh, Llewellyn. So, so it's kind of fun to see how it all comes together. You know, obviously they got the Blake Smith kid and the late ad from uh, the, tra- from the transfer portal. I don't think he's, I think he's going to end up being a preferred walk on. So um they got guys that are going to be able to catch the football. They should be able to run the football. It's exciting what we saw in the, uh, the, the cheese bowl. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I think anybody knows that, you know, for this thing to be truly elite, you got to have some receivers that are going to step up and, uh, you know, kind of fill those shoes that are now left by Marvin. Mims. I, I know a kid in the portal right now who doesn't know he's a receiver yet. He played quarterback at Oklahoma state, but he'd be a really, really good receiver. If OU could talk him into switching. All he has to do is catch his run. He doesn't. He de- Spencer wouldn't have to throw the ball anymore. Spencer, he, ca- he could just catch. He's a gifted runner. He was our best running back. <laughs> it, it's gonna be. It's it, it's gonna be super interesting to see what ends up happening with Spencer. I was talking to some people today, and I guess the latest buzz is maybe Old Miss has jumped in the hoop. But uh, you know, depending on what 
depending on what like old miss or uh, you know depending on what alabama does oh, uh with boy. their offensive coordinator position what if what if he ends up in tuscaloosa uh, Imagine. I, I, I'd root him on. I don't but, think man, it'll happen. That is, that is disturbing <laughs> to think about. Nick Saban would pull him after one four interception game. I hope Sanders and Walker Howard both go to miss. I mean, they're accumulating quite the the quarterback room. I that. think Spencer's going to end up at North Texas or SMU. Man, I just don't. It, it's well, been so long. I don't think he. Process. I don't know if he. I don't SMU's not. I don't even know if SMU if he's a take for SMU. <laughs> just going to be because it's, Stone. It's, not like it's in, uh, Wisconsin are in a. A race to who can have, can, have can, the first five quarterbacks in the uh, out of the portal. It's ridiculous yeah. what Wisconsin's. That's got to be Tanner. I would imagine he has a pretty good market, though. I do think the you know Spencer Sanders will probably have a decent market when it's all said and done. What is that market? I don't know. Like, does he have to end up at Old Miss? You know, I thought the the whole stuff about him going back to Gundy and trying to get back on the team was interesting. Just I don't know. It was that just added to the weirdness of that moment. Or whatever that was, Zach. That that is a weird deal because it sounds like from people I've talked to, it's like after that K State game, there was something that went on in the locker room between him and Coach Dunn, and that carried over into Bedlam and a lot of frustration. So when he sat out, yeah. I think it was like he sat out like seven bowl practices, and then he said, "I want to play in the bowl game," and Gundy told him kick rocks. So it's so it strange. is it's a really weird deal. I'm interested to see where he lands. But I can definitely see all that unfolding. Like I can see that. I don't think that story's bullshit about no, him. I, no, I absolutely not. Telling, telling him to basically kick rocks. Like I can, I can see that. And to a certain extent, I, I kind of agree with him. It's like, I, you can't I, just show up I a don't week bl- before the bowl yeah. game and, and travel and get to play. Like you're, yeah. you're leaving. Yeah. I don't yeah. blame Gundy one bit for that. I, mean, no. I really don't. I mean, I, I would, I would I'd understand if he took him back too. I don't blame him for that. Now I mean, he let he let kids do that last year, um, but also it was a little different circumstance. Like Tanner McAllister, Bernard Converse, and um, maybe a D lineman all said they were going to enter the portal, and he said that's fine. But they made their intentions clear; they were wanting to to play in the bowl game, so he allowed them to do that. Spencer sitting out for three weeks and then being like, "Oh, by the way, I need some more tape." Yeah, he- you can't do it at the quarterback position too. And no. I'm sure it didn't help that Gunner had already had shoulder surgery, Yeah, which completely kind of, you know, sets everybody off as far as how that whole, you know, quarterback rotation is going to work going into the bowl game. It just, I don't know. He, he upped himself a little bit. Uh, and it, but it just, at the moment when all of it happens, it seems like the world's, you know, kind of crashing in because, Oh, by the way, all these guys are now in the portal. Everybody was expecting Casey Dunn to be fired. It doesn't look like that's going to happen now. It looks like nothing. And then, happen, you know, obviously, the what? It, nothing's going to happen at this point, I wouldn't think. Um, it's getting it, which late. Is crazy. Yeah. With, with, the, with the way that the season ended, that's just like, it, it's it's almost crazy to me that, like, they lost six of seven, and there's going to be nothing. a mass exodus out of the program, and nothing's going to, nothing else is going to happen. I, I can I can totally see the frustration with Oklahoma State fans. The OSU TCU game is just fascinating to think about. The end of that, and then the, the, we were the, the, you, the could argue, you could just... argue first half OSU is the third best team in America. We had those guys on the ropes. We <laughs> had were them t- dead to rights. You guys were we top them... five, weren't you? At that point, it is funny. Top five or six because there's a throw Spencer made. I know his shoulder was hurt, so I'm going to chalk it up to that. He has, I think, Bryson, the newly departed Bryson Green, on a deep ball. That if he just gets it, if he doesn't underthrow it, it's a touchdown. But he underthrew him by like 10 yards. The kid picks it off, they get the ball back. Like if he scores, the game is not over, but it's a way better chance we win the game and get out of there. But it's just so funny to see how that altered the course of events. That game was a classic wedding phone watcher for me. And I, and then that's the other thing about Mike is he obviously he loses JPR John Paul Richardson, who was voted a captain as an underclassman, which doesn't really happen that often at OSU. And then he loses Trace Ford, a former all American freshman, all American, who's still got a lot of good football in him. If he's healthy, he's very, very talented. That guy was a captain, a, a very vocal leader on the team. He goes to the school 60 miles away. So it's, it's not a great look. Yeah. Those were those were all like those had to be just salt in the wound each time that you're not lo- like you can deal with losing guys that are going to be contributors on a football yeah. team but when you start losing like the leadership core i think that sends sirens as far as like there really is something going on like there there is there is something 
structurally within the foundation that's wrong with this thing. Yeah. Eddie, are you, uh, you hearing any updates on when we'll hear a, uh, we'll see a 2023 big 12 schedule. Dude, I thought it was going to be today. Everybody Someone said today on Twitter. Yeah, well, yeah, the, the UCFAD from, but... said today last week, didn't he? Yeah. He's, he's, he's off his rocker. They probably <laughs> hushed him up pretty quick. Something happened because, uh, you know, as of yesterday, we were hearing that, you know, there was a decent chance that it was going to be today. And then I think it was, you know, by three o'clock, it was like, okay, this isn't going to happen today. And then I just saw that uh, Mac Rhodes, the Baylor athletic director, said it's going to be into January. I don't. I don't understand what has to be worked out here over the what you know the next couple of weeks. Like you would think that it's pretty straightforward. Uh, OU and Texas are going to end up going to one of the four new places. You know, as of yesterday, we I kind of heard or it had been insinuated. I think the hot rumor out there was that OU is going to go to Provo and Cincinnati. They're going to get Central Florida in home, and then they're not going to play the two Kansas schools, Iowa State and Houston. That was kind of the rumor wow. that was out there. See, I had heard a rumor and, that they weren't going to play Bedlam at all. Which it, which would be absolutely insane. wild. That's yeah. insane. Like, I think that if that were to happen, uh, that that definitely would signal that this thing is yeah. about as dead as it could yeah. be. Yeah. Um, which I, you know, and like, I have two questions. It's like, I guess the, the, the one, the first question is going to be like, what, so if, like, oh, you went to Morgantown, oh, you went to Lubbock. Does that mean under this new scheduling, does it just, if you're going to play those teams, do you go back to regular reversal where, you know, West Virginia would come here, Tech would come here, oh, you'd go down to Baylor, you know? So do, how does that work? And then obviously it's just like who, you know, you're not going to play because you're not going to play four teams within the conference. Uh, that's going to be super, super kind of fascinating to me as far as like who, the schools, you know, certainly they're not choosing, but who the league doesn't want them to play. How I guess that is. How would they? How a, they determine like which four? Like, did did the schools give an input? Like, I have just no idea. If the, and if the schools had any input, uh, you know, any of the meetings right now, OU and Texas aren't allowed to be in. So, you know, I, I'm definitely not one of these people that thinks that like the the uh, Big Twelve officiating has it out for OU and Texas. But do I think that if they could kind of screw them over in the scheduling, they would, whether that be, you know, three of the last four on the road or something like that, or no bye weeks until week 11, I could probably see that. It'd be, yeah. And that's kind of the fun part about this entire experience, right? Could it, could it be that the holdup is, is I'm Texas Tech. This year they had OU and Texas at home in the same season. That's a lot of season ticket money just yeah. straight up. They don't even have to be good and people are buying season tickets so they can come watch them play Texas and OU. If I'm Texas Tech and they're telling me I got it's my so they're scheduled to go to Norman and Austin. If I'm Texas Tech, I want the reciprocal game non-conference in 2025 and they're probably not going to get it cuz why would OU or why would UT say yeah, Tech will come play in Lubbock? We have no reason to do that. So I understand why they would be upset about that. We talked about that this morning, actually, on uh, the radio program. Did your Mark said something about that uh, at the national championship game, didn't he? About something OU somewhere. Texas having some type of obligation once the move is made that they would reschedule some of these teams. Maybe just one more. That, and that also involves yeah. Fox. I mean, I think part yes, of it is yes. Fox wants so – they want – you know, because if the OU leaves – or OU Texas leave early, that – uh, you know, ESPN will still have OU Texas Fox, and that, that could be that too. Maybe a, some sort of agreement where there's enough enough OU oh, Texas yeah. games against Big. Tr I mean, there's just so many moving moving pieces. Mm -hmm. there. Yeah, let, there let really us is. not forget the the people that are calling every shot within. You know, the Big Twelve might be calling a couple of the shots, but they're it's being dictated by Fox, Mickey, and Mickey Mouse, and, how they want Fox. it to fit. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird deal. Hopefully we get Bedlam one more time. I I do ask myself in a position as an OSU fan, and other OSU fans I think are actually pretty split on this, do they even want to keep playing Bedlam football? Like, it's yeah. a series that they don't do well in. The, the the coach we currently have is scared to death to play the game itself. True. Why schedule it in football? It makes no sense. It, it doesn't benefit OSU aside from – um, the OU fans who buy season tickets um, just to have them for Bedlam. That's like the sure. only thing it does.
it it will be interesting. I I do think that you know calmer waters will prevail or calmer heads will prevail at some point. And you know I I wouldn't be surprised if there's a hiatus. But I think that you know within the next you know x many years I I'd say like after the moves made within the the five year period I bet they get that thing going again. Definitely yeah, need to keep it in wrestling and baseball and basketball sometimes. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Last question on the football scheduling. Would that mean that the new Big 12 teams, are they having a full Big 12 schedule or will it be a split? I, what do you mean? I assume my assumption has been that it's going to be a full schedule for those guys. Like yeah. next, yeah, next year yeah. they're playing all Big 12. Conference. Yeah, they have full, they, yeah, yeah, they're fully yeah. involved. Now. I haven't seen yeah. much or, of that. Academically, I yeah. think they're involved too. Like, in yeah, the no, they they were able to. Those AAC teams were able to get out of their their deal. Gotcha. Early, so that. yeah, that they're fully they're full members starting in July, I guess. Interesting. Yeah, that's hopefully we get one more trip to Austin. That's what I'm hoping for. I'd love to go to the UT game one more time. Never been. That, that is the one downside. That is the one I've never been to DKR for a game. I looked in, in the gates. What's your least favorite Big 12 city? Because you've been to them all. What's your honest you your honest ranking of your worst one? Like one that I just don't really get a whole lot out of going? Yeah. It's probably a little unfair because I haven't spent a whole lot of time because we usually stay in Des Moines. But it's, Ames doesn't do a whole it's, lot for it's me. It's so brutal up there. We went one I mean, time. It, I I think it would be fun. I've never like truly like gone out in Ames. We always stay in Des Moines. Uh, this year was the first time that we stayed in Ames and we just went to a, like a bar next to our hotel and didn't really do a whole lot. So I've, I've never really seen like the bar scene up there. Um, but I, I like all the big 12 stops. There's it, there's uniqueness about it for all of them. Um, you know, I think Manhattan's kind of fun. Uh, you know, obviously still water. I enjoyed going up there always, but, um. Yeah, like Morgantown's just different. It's it's a different. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's kind of a different. It's like you're in a different world over there. I feel like I might have asked you this, but what last time you were here, what SEC town are you looking forward to the most? Oxford, Oxford, and Starkville are both awesome. If you guys play Mississippi State, they're great college towns. I'm excited for uh, Zach Selman to get the athletic director job over there. I want to. I'm have to go visit big time. Starkville. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oxford and I think Athens. I've heard yeah. Athens. Yeah. Athens, awesome. that Athens, Athens and Oxford are the two, the two for me. But I mean, all of I'm. I went to a game in Baton Rouge this year. That was awesome. That'll yeah. be. But it will be a totally different experience. I would imagine being there in in crimson compared to an, a neutral color. Because I had a blast sure. this year. But there were some old Ole Miss fans near me that were. They were going uh, going through it because they were yeah. they were riding high early in that game. Um, and then LSU beat the shit out of them. And <laughs> unfortunately, the other the other thing too is about college towns is that if there's like cold beer and and good people, like they never can really be that bad. Yeah, yeah, it can never be that bad. Like, yeah. So anywhere right. in the SEC is going to be fun. No, it's and that's that's one of the things that I always say about the Big Twelve. It's like a college town's a college town. It's always yeah. going to be a. College. You want to find a good bar and a good party. There's going to be somewhere that you can go. Now places are. Uh, you know, I, I'm not trying to compare like the Grove to what you see on a Saturday in Norman for a tailgating. Like, yeah. obviously, the Grove is going to be 10 times better, awesome, and I want to go see it and be a part of it. Even Nashville, though, it's like I'm not excited about going seeing Vanderbilt, but I'm excited to go to Nashville. That's why we yeah. continue the Lindsay Street movement, Eddie. This is on That's you. Right. That's right. We stay focused. You're leading you us. Stay focused. Yeah, you're <laughs> off base. It- You've got to think Castiglione and Harris, like they've got they they know right that we're we're behind in that in that category. Yeah, I think so. What I is the so. debate? Like, what is just, it? Oh, you tailgating sucks. Yeah, it's not great. I just always thought you guys knew that and like we're okay with that. But you take but you take the, the football more seriously than the party. The university's the made moves to to hamper the 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 tailgating over the last decade. Oh, yeah, they haven't exactly like help themselves and i just think it's like a bad presentation to they've tried to like dip too far into like a um 
I don't know. I, I guess there's no other way to say it than like just a family atmosphere that you could possibly yeah. have. When I think everybody kind of knows that, you know, if you're signing up to go to a college football game, you're probably not going to sign up to be some type of uh, grand family atmosphere. Put and the then I know the for sure they're not thinking that Baton Rouge or Knoxville yeah. or, uh, you know, Tuscaloosa to a certain extent. Like, once you can kind of just stomach it, I think that you get over this idea that everybody needs to be so proper. Right. Agreed. All right. Uh, any other uh, football, Big 12, OU thoughts, Clint, Zach? Mm-mm. Nothing. Quickly, just wanted to to touch on Big 12 and OU hoops. Uh, actually, before we talk about the on-the-court stuff, what's the deal with the, the – just can you give an update on the potential – new arena that that the city of norman has discussed um yeah yeah it's basically i think that like they're just right now at a point where you know i think that they remember if you remember a couple years ago they put together like a i don't even know if it was like a search firm or what it was technically called but they put together a a crew that there was a group of people in the city of norman that wanted to build basically a taxpayer funded arena over in the north park area which is uh you know if you're in norman it's just north of robinson uh, you, you know, new Target. I think there's a new Hideaway. There's a shit ton of restaurants and stuff that are over there that uh, they wanted to build. They wanted to build like you know a, a brand new facility that could be used by the city. Uh, you know, have restaurants in it, probably have apartments in it. Kind of a uh, you know a Victory Parkish type vibe, if you will. Probably on a much smaller scale uh, as you would see down in Dallas. I was all I was all for it. Obviously, I think anybody that's gone to Lloyd Noble Center over the last you know, five, six, seven, eight, even, you know, 10 years back when I was in school, it, it's one of those places that they need to do something like they, the, the atmosphere that is within the Lloyd Noble center while at times, yeah, they can sure they can still pack it up. Uh, you know, it's just not what a college atmosphere needs to be. It's not what a college basketball opportunity needs to be. And it's certainly not what a, you know, top 15 all time type program, top 25 type program like Oklahoma has been uh, needs to have. So, They've basically gone back. They're trying to do the same thing. And they basically sent out flyers, basically kind of gauging people's interests. And I think that it's gotten to the point that, you know, they have Porter Moser now, you know, certainly behind it. Jenny Baranchek is behind it. I think that it's, uh, you know, something that could probably come to fruition here in the next couple of years. But, you know, it's not going to it's not going to happen overnight. They're going to need support from the city. And, uh, you know, I think for some of that stuff to uh, to actually get through, they need a little bit of a probably younger, fresher voice, uh, you know, on the city council and places like that that make a lot of those decisions and, uh, you know, really push it through the, uh, the the community and the people of Norman to realize that this is a benefit that, you know, not only would it benefit the university, but I think it's something that, uh, you know, on down the road, you could probably play 6A, 5A, 4A state championships there. You could do a lot with it. And, uh, you know, obviously you could have, you know, different types of uh, volleyball events, multi-purpose type of facility. And uh, it's just something that probably needs to be done sooner or later. You're going to look up and all of a sudden you're going to look at, you know, specifically the SEC um, and the facilities that all of those programs have, not just, you know, basketball, but baseball, softball, you know, use making advances in some of those regards. But um, there's just a lot that can be done uh, facility wise. And not to mention, you know, they're getting ready to build a, you know, half billion dollar uh, football facility as well. So um, if you if you got money, it's probably a good time to write a check to the uh, the University of Oklahoma. Is the uh, in mind. Ba- baseball complex any any uh, how close are they to having the money they need to to put uh, shovel to dirt? The last that I saw, like actual shovel the dirt, I think it's probably still quite a ways, but probably closer than people would would realize. I think it it certainly was headed in the right direction. And, you know, obviously when you're coming off of a national runner up, uh, you know, all of a sudden that money starts appearing more and more. So, uh, you know, I, I think as these teams uh, continue to, uh, you know, climb up the rankings and, and produce wins, uh, there will probably be a little bit more money. And that's, you know, obviously not a coincidence. The yeah. Lloyd Noble is just like it feels like neglected watching a basketball game in there. Yeah. It is I, yeah. I don't get it because OU is traditionally a very very good basketball program, whether people realize that or not. So it's 
Yeah, it was, not, it was not, noticeable like, on like, Saturday. I remember texting buddies when they were in school and Trey Young was there, and I'm like, "You at the game Saturday?" And then they're like, "No, we're just doing nothing. We're watching on TV." How do you not go to the game with Trey Young? I guess that's a student issue, not necessarily. An There's arena. a lot of issues yeah. when it comes to it. It's one of those it things won't. where it's like chicken, chicken or egg. Like, is it the arena? Is it the people? It's just a mixture of every. It's just a bad yeah. atmosphere. Like Early. bad. Yeah, I mean, it's not. You can't really point to one thing, but a new arena would definitely help. Yeah. I will it say. is so wild too because it's it's been like that, and you know I think anybody that's gone to Oklahoma knows it's like it gets passed down from like generation to generation. People just don't go to games. Like I remember, like even you know, and we were I was there with like a pretty good amount of kids that it just I don't know. Like sometimes you just didn't feel like you're driving over to the Lloyd Noble Center, but yeah. it's not to say like. I like the 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 people that are anti the new arena over in the North Park area or whatever they call it um, would say they need something on campus. Lloyd Noble Center is not exactly in the middle of campus right now. It's like far. you still have to drive yeah. over, yeah. drive south. So like I almost think that that's one of those things that at the end of the day is an excuse that people just don't want to go to the games. Probably so. Uh, and you know that's something that everybody's going to have to work on. It's something that they're going to have to change. Uh, because when people do show up, like the Lloyd Noble Center can still be a, a relatively nice, fun arena to watch. But 95% of the time, it's not going to be that because Kansas isn't in town or Texas right. isn't in town or an Oklahoma State even isn't in town. So I don't know. It's uh, like Parker said, I feel like it's chicken or the egg. Everybody goes round and round and round. It always happens right after football season. Everybody's displeased with the way the football season ended. And then you find a way to start bitching about, you know, oh, well, people aren't showing up to the Lloyd Noble Center. And it usually comes after, uh, you know, kind of a head scratching loss and everybody gets pissed off about it. And it's just a cycle that happens every year. Yeah, I feel like it's a culmination of everything because Parker and I would go our freshman year with Buddy there and, you know, mm -hmm. Spangler and that team. And it was so much fun when Buddy hit that buzzer beater. The place was packed. So part of it's yeah. winning too, also, and you sure. know those high recruits. Trey Young comes in, it's packed again, and so it's just it's a lot of people stuff. struggle to fill up a gym though on a Tuesday night at six o'clock. That's, that's right. That's just a really yeah. hard. Like I'm watching K State KU right now, and that's not the case for them. Um, <laughs> the place looks fucking to the gills right now, but yeah. I get that's a rivalry game. But it's it's hard yeah. on people to justify driving. Um, what is it from Oklahoma City to Lloyd Noble? If you had to guess, like thirty five minutes, probably thirty minutes, thirty five yeah. minutes. Because you do have so to it's, to it's tough. And, and yeah, yeah, and that's it's tough the, to get off work and immediately want to go do that. Like, yeah. I get that, right? That's the argument yeah. too. For one of the main arguments for that new arena is it's a significantly easier commute that's for true. Oklahoma City yeah. folks, and that's yeah. where a good chunk of, I mean, probably ha over half of your, you know, people like, going to those games. I got a, feel, I got a feeling GIA is going to be pretty empty tomorrow. I just got to be real. It's OSU is bad. Uh, the rivalry, I feel like when I was a kid or when we were kids growing up, it was always on a Saturday. Like both games were on a Saturday eve uh, afternoon or evening. They didn't play on a weeknight because it was a big fucking game. And it's just not, Yeah, like, it doesn't feel like that's the case. Yeah, it's, it's on ESPNU you know, tomorrow, I think. That's better than ESPN that, Plus, I guess. Yeah. that And that's the thing that, uh, you know, I think Texas did with the Moody Center, which looks awesome oh, when right. the place is packed. Uh, Baylor, like I caught a bunch of heat on it. Uh, when they announced their new arena, because I just didn't realize, like, that's the thing to do now. You go build the $7,000, $8,000 seat arena and nice. you try to pack it up every night. Yeah. And, you know, people are going to just have to live with it if they're not gonna able to get into the building on some nights, because uh, you're certainly not doing it night in and night out. You're not packing a, a 10,000 seat arena or a 12,000 I mean, seat arena. 13, 6, 11 is what OSU is. They haven't touched that number in a long time. And I yeah. bet if they could go back, and other people have said this too, if they could go back in time and do it, they probably wouldn't wouldn't raise the roof. They'd leave it where it was. But Make I think they needed to facility-wise, though. Um, just they had to do all those additions. The which in Gallagher Live is awesome, too. Oh, when it's full, the it's worst like part. one of when the – yeah. It's kind of depressing. Yeah, but when it's full, it's one of the best – gyms in america and that's probably me being biased but i've i've heard it full and i've i've seen it full and i i know it's pretty tough place to play yeah yeah so it sucks well um just besides that oh you oh you hoops what looking to the two and three in conference play 
you know, their wins over West Virginia, Texas Tech, um, two other teams near the bottom of the Big 12 standings, but three super close calls against Kansas, Iowa State, and, and Texas. So, I mean, you know, I, I think they're limited in some ways, especially on the interior, but um, really good guard play. The Hill so kids have been playing good, though. It's going to be the same deal, though, as it's been the last few years. It's just going to be a, a sweater all the way up till Selection Sunday, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it's one of those things. We talked to Porter today. Porter was on the uh, my radio show this morning. It's just like, if you don't like close games, you better not watch much of the Big 12. And from top to bottom, it's the best conference in the country right now. Uh, you know, it's a physical conference. They play a interesting brand of, of uh, basketball just in that you're going to get beat up a little bit. And I think it ends up hurting them because they get away with it in the Big 12 play and they get to the NCAA yep. tournament. Get into foul trouble. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. I just – it's it's how many times have we seen this where you talk about how great the Big 12 is and they almost kind of cannibalize itself. Uh, and, you know, specifically at the top of the Big 12 right now, I mean, what do they have, six teams in the uh, top 25 this week? Like, yeah. West Virginia and Texas Tech aren't bad basketball teams, and they're 0-5 right now. Uh, OU could be 0-5. They could also be 5-0 and if you really wanted to make that argument. Uh, if you could just make a couple other plays at the uh, the end of these some of these games. So uh, it's been it's been interesting. It's kind of fun in a way because every night you really don't know what's going to happen. Uh, the, you know, two of those three losses, I think probably, well, obviously the Kansas loss, you know, I think hurt a little bit more, stung a little bit more because of where it came because you had the 10 point lead with five minutes left, but Texas and Iowa state, you're, you're in both of those games with a top 10 team and a top 15 team. And uh, you, you literally just didn't make a couple plays. The Iowa and state one, that one, the sick of it, but the, the Iowa state game, they, that should have been theirs. They, they yeah, should have had yeah, that game. Like, one. They, they weren't able to get stops late. That's something they've been able to focus. They, they've been wanting to focus on here is uh, getting stops. And, you know, they believe you can get stops. That's going to transition into offense. And, uh, you know, it, it just it has to happen because I think that Oklahoma fans are getting a little sick of watching, uh, you know, this team kind of I don't want to say collapse in the final five minutes. They're just not able to execute in the manner that is going to win games against really, really good basketball teams. You can get away with it. Uh, you know, night in, night out, if you're playing somebody in the bottom of the, you know, the Pac-12 or the, you know, Big Ten or wherever, or the ACC even, uh, you just can't get away with it in the Big 12 uh, like you can in, in maybe some other places. Well, yeah. I hope OU fans like rock fights because that's what tomorrow night will be. Uh, I don't think we'll score more than 60 points. I don't think we're going to score 60 points. Yeah, uh, we're that bad offensive. It is. Um, offensively it, challenged, as I like to say. It's really interesting what Porter's done rotation-wise. Um, a lot of three-point guard sets, especially down the stretch. Uh, Uzon is the real deal, too. He's good. Yeah. He's going to be really, really good. And, you know, I think that there is, like, they just – and this is kind of like when when I say this, you kind of roll your eyes because it's kind of like talking about a, an Oklahoma, uh, uh, a college football team, like, looking for a defensive tackle. Like, they just got to be able to find a big guy. Like I, mm-hmm. Tanner Groves is what he is. Sam Godwin has been awesome for what they're asking him to be, but they need a big guy. And, you know, maybe Luke Norweather can, can uh, kind of grow into that role or Yaya at some point. It just like, you have to find that guy in the transfer portal. You're, they're looking for their Cameron Crutwig almost uh, the kid that was up at Loyola Chicago with, uh, with Porter. So uh, I love Jalen Hill though. He's been awesome. He's a grinder. Uh, Los Uzon, you look at what he could be and what he's gonna, what he could turn into in the future, and what he's been able to do as a true freshman. Love it. Uh, Otegua Owe, love it. There's a lot to like there as a freshman. Uh, and you know, CJ Nolan started to come on a little bit. Uh, they have a little, a lot of really nice spots. It's just, can you make some plays uh, when you look up? And there's, you know, he, you hit the under four, you're coming out of that under eight timeout. Uh, you know, can you make enough plays against? some of the upper echelon teams and, and squeeze out a couple of victories and try to get to nine and nine. Uh, you know, if they go eight and 10, we'll see, I, you know, eight and 10, seven, 11, you better, you better have some really quality wins. You better be at an Alabama in the sec big 12 uh, to bolster that resume, or, you know, you're going to be sweating it yet again. And uh, they did that last year and everybody kind of saw how that turned out. Wait, that's how you, that's who you guys have in the sec. Yeah. Challenge? 
That's a brutal draw. Oklahoma State got yeah, old. Like the best possible draw pot. Uh, at least Damn. Darius Miller won't be there to be able to kill uh, anybody. Come on. That's a come on. <laughs> that's a nut story, by the way. That is it's sad. a sad story. I just too, saw then, that because... he provided the gun. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of lives ruined based on his yeah, actions. It's, it's awful. Yeah. It's awful. Nate Oates, how is that not lack of institutional control from Nate Oates? He should know that. He's got players killing people. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. They're really good. They're really yeah, good. They're they're really na- that's the Nate sad Oates. thing. It's like there's there's Miller didn't even play that much. Like right. yeah, he was not a contributor. He's what he is. Yeah. I think I read that he's been away from the team and only recently was yeah. on the bench for a game. Like he hadn't been doing anything. Yeah. And that sucks as like if, if you're an Alabama fan, knowing that, but everybody po you know, he's an Alabama basketball player at right. the end of the day. On the top yeah. five Alabama Crimson Tide basketball. Yeah, that's sure. all people see. Sure. I mean, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For sure. Do you have a real quick, give me if you had to pick someone to win the national championship in, in basketball right now, there's so many options. Who would you Dude, who I, are betting, man? Watched, who would you Yeah? I watched Purdue yesterday. They just did not do anything. Like they're good. I think Edie's awesome. He's huge. He's just like, big. I don't know how you stop a seven four guy. The uh, the Fletcher uh, Leroy Larue kid or lawyer kid is really really yeah. good. Uh, I don't know. I'd probably if I was gonna bet on it though, I'd probably take somebody with a little bit of value. Like, what's UConn at right now? They're dipping because they're like yeah. What about in conference play? What, but what about they're, they're good. What about buy low on a banged up Arkansas team when they're full strength? Yeah. Like, put, like 31 sure. in Arkansas right now. Something and like you that. You know, muscle men will have them ready to go um, come tournament time. Because I when they're he, full strength, they're really good. I, I have no way of knowing, obviously, but I'm not going to be shocked when Houston finds its way in a Final Four yet again. Kelvin Sampson is yeah, so damn like, good, and he's got old guards. They are so damn good. Yeah, they're really good. Uh, you know, I, I like the Texas team. I do. Yeah. I like uh, – and I, I kind of want to buy into this Kansas State team a little bit. You just don't know, like, when the lights come on, what that backcourt's going to be able to give you. And it seems like in the NCAA tournament, you better have a guy or guys that are going to take over games when you need them. And, you know, I, I, that's why you probably go back to the, uh, the, the, the upper echelon group, you know, the, the Blue Bloods, if you will. Uh, I probably wouldn't give up on a Kentucky. I know that everybody's ready to run Coach Calipari out of town, but – uh, when stuff like that happens, I tend to like the team even more. Like it, it kind of uh, galvanizes yeah. everybody. So I don't know. It, that's a great question. I I assume like UCLA. Like I haven't seen a whole bunch of the uh, Pac-12 teams yet. It's not year. very. They're not very uh, good. The really? Pac-12's, the Pac-12 as a whole is um, lacking. I'd say. Yeah, except for UCLA, I, they're supposed to be really Does good it, yet again. And they, they play Arizona this week, good. don't they? Yeah, and Arizona's Ooh. lost like three in a row too. So that Arizona and UConn are two teams that going into conference play, it's like these guys are going to dominate. They'll walk through everybody. Had been the case. So, I mean, they, yeah, there's obviously plenty of time to turn it around though. When you sure. have good coaches, freak athletes. Yeah. All you got to do is get hot in March if you get there. Not for OSU is not capable of getting hot though. They, um, I wonder if, and I don't know what the, Obviously, you cover OU, Eddie, but the media's perception of Coach Boynton is because as OSU fans, he's awesome. We yeah, love him. I think, I think it's like everybody else. Love the guy. Like, any experience I've ever had with Boynton has been awesome. Yeah, He recruits his dick off. He brings really good players in. They just – They just stink. They're, they're, they're fucking terrible offensively. Like, See, I – I guess let me ask all point, of you. What is it? I that's what I'm I'm I, I need to ask you guys. I've just been thinking this. It's like, so does that tell me that every recruiting service in America is bad at their job and these kids stink and the, the people rating them stink? Or I think they're just he, bad is offensively. He, I think they're is he bad at is he bad at identifying talent or is he bad at coaching talent and developing talent? I now I tend to lean at, it's more that one. Yeah. Yeah. But it's bad. But yeah, and then further is it like a is it uh is he putting in the wrong personnel? Is it an X's and O's deal? Like I think he just recruits a lot of athletes, man. He doesn't recruit any basketball players. You need some basketball players. Like Lindy Waters is obviously a great athlete and he's playing for a team in the NBA still. But he was more a basketball player coming out of Norman. He was not 
an athlete, mm-hmm. so to speak. He wasn't going to jump out of the gym, block a bunch of shots, super long. He, he's a jump shooter, crafty offensive score. They have none of that. Yeah. It's uh, it's tough to watch because I thought, like, you know, Avery Anderson, I obviously thought was going to be a little bit better. The the Presley kid seems like he's pretty good. Or not a Presley, but um, what's the Caleb? Uh, Caleb Boone. Yeah, he's the most inconsistent uh, player of all time. What's the point guard's name, too? Thompson? Bryce Thompson? John, J- Bryce Thompson and then John Michael Wright. He's a transfer from High Point. Okay. No, that's not who I'm thinking of. Maybe it's one of the guys that's coming off the bench that everybody's been clamoring to get in more because he might score every once in a while. As Asbury, As probably. He's, As he's the only one with a pulse from beyond. I, yeah. I say no more shots from beyond the curved line. You should have to shoot everything okay. um, from two. But yeah, and Bryce, they don't want to try that. It just, it, it's tough, man. I mean, any, every time that you look up, it seems like they're just trying to get to 50. Well, and it's even tougher when I turn on the TV in Kansas State and Jerome Tang's first year is 15-2 and two and beating Kansas at home in the first half. It's like they can do that in one year, but I got to suffer through six years of this shit. He's done He's done an incredible job. I I don't think that even Jerome Tang thought Marcus Newell was going to come in and average 25 in Big 12 play and go over a course of like two weeks where he averaged 35 and a half. Yeah. Yeah. It is what it is. Playing out of his damn mind. And I think that, like, Kansas State, they might win this game. But do I think that Kansas – we're going to look up and Kansas State's going to be, like, eight in the net rating uh, at the beginning of March? Probably not. They look like they're pretty damn good, though. I mean, there's a lot of really good yeah. stories up there with, with Newell and, uh, you know, the uh, the kid from Florida, Keontae Johnson. And the Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's somebody, badass. Somebody badass had forward. a sign at the game tonight that said, our Johnson is bigger than your dick. So little play. That's, that's, that's a great that's good sign. sign. They that's didn't a, take the really sign either. Good, sign. good on good on yeah. State admin for not pulling that sign. That, yeah, that that's good. That's yeah, good. you would have got you would have got arrested and gotten like three strikes in Norman for something. Yeah, I don't think it's still water. They would have been okay with that either. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Uh, looking forward to see how the rest of Big Twelve goes. Big Twelve plays. It's going to be a, a grind. Uh, maybe OU OSU can can get hot enough at some point to. To find, uh, you know, where they're at least playing for something in March. Um, well, yeah. together, Thunder win the World Championship. We'll be fine. Are you? Yeah. What are your real quick? Do you do you think this is sustainable? The Thunder team. Probably not, but not like sustainable this season. I think that it. You know, I think that. Do I think that they're going to end up hosting a series? No. Do I think that they could get into a top eight? I think I want to. I want to believe that that they could, um, but do I think it's probably likely? No, I, I think they'll get into a playing game, and I I, I do think that people are going to be super disappointed when like Presty doesn't go out of the trade deadline and go make some blockbuster deal just I because they're should, he shouldn't though he shouldn't no. though he shouldn't do no that. you got to always said he, he doesn't want to rush anything stay, stay patient with what this thing is because when. Like being in the moment and as they're building with SGA, you're seeing Giddy coming off the uh, career high 28 uh, the other night. Like it is kind of exciting that it feels like the lights at the end of the tunnel. It feels like this thing. Absolutely. It's a awesome. pretty real deal over the next couple of years. Like it, just knowing how young they are having, you know, seven guys under 21 right now. Uh, it, it's crazy that like, you know, half the team basically couldn't, go over to the Jones after a game and have a drink. Yeah. It's really like cool too, because the, the best player might hadn't even played a minute yet. If what we saw yeah. from yeah. Chet in the summer league is how he's going to play. Like the dude hadn't even played a minute. We're already seeing yeah. all these results come to first. It was, it was Exciting awesome times. to see the, uh, it was awesome to see the wind horse article. It was just like a little blurb talking about SGA kind of talking about the future uh, and how body any is right now. And, you know, I think everybody's kind of gone through the mental gymnastics of, been hurt once like i don't want this to happen again but it does seem like he is completely bought in with what sam and you know the thunder leadership are trying to do as far as uh building the culture and you know they're definitely ahead of schedule it's been a lot of fun yeah it's been so fun i like everyone this thunder team is just everyone's so lanky and such an all-around player j-dub is incredible williams has been 
Oh my god. J Dub, both Santa of them. Claire Williams. He's awesome. If they, but... if they did a redraft, he's a top three pick. Yeah. He's he's been sensational. Yeah. Both. I love that kid, and he yeah, is so too. thunder. Like he's just like all of his interviews. I just automatically think like this kid is the most thunder, like perfect thunder player ever. Right. He's like the guy that Sam Presti's always been looking for and always <laughs> trying to definitely got him. And Isaiah Joe, that like two-day signing right before the year. I saw he's uh on three-point shooters over 100 attempts. He's seventh, 40, 42%. Seventh and you got that guy for pennies. That guy, yeah. that is ridiculous. Yeah. I, I remember uh, driving back with Bob Prisbillo from uh, – God, I think we were coming back from Ames, actually. Uh, and we were listening to the – Dallas Mavericks Thunder game when Isaiah Joe like had the coming out party yeah and I was like Bob I swear to God like I follow this thing I don't know who this guy is (laughs) like I don't follow it like you know some of the the down to dunk guys and and things like that but it's just like it's been fun like those are like nice little surprises that uh when you were in the doldrums of what this thing was over the last two or three years yeah uh it just feels good. It feels like you're like being rewarded for something that you didn't actually do. Yeah, Man, you had, I love you, that feeling. I actually, I legit cannot contain my excitement for the Thunder. It's kind of scary, but I watch yeah. every second of every game, and it is, it's it's one of those. All right, when do they play next? It's it's, and, it's good to be back in that like right, yes, exactly. yes 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 yes. Over the last couple of years, there were like Tuesday nights where you know they're playing in New York in that early like five thirty tip, and I wouldn't get home until. You know, six thirty. It's like, uh, I'm not even gonna turn it on. Exactly. They're down by thirty. Like, you don't know like don't what to be excited it. about, and now you just yeah. like seeing the development of every player on the roster. It's it's. Fun. I just oh, find sure. myself watching so much more NBA now too. Like, in, when yeah. I was in high school and we had Kevin, I swear I watched every NBA game. I kept up yeah. with everything around the league because it impacted the Thunder somehow. Now it's just, it's good to see. Yeah, it's been there's awesome. some real there's some real awesome. energy down here in, in New Orleans right now. Pelicans playing good basketball, yeah. Yeah, big because big boy stayed relatively healthy. He like he sits out like every four games or so. It seems like well, of you course, can't work him. Too two hard. of the three games I've gone to, he didn't play. But guys got bounced. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's uh, that's that's us talking NBA. Boom, boom. Yeah. That's good. We 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 have I would die for Mark Dagnall. Great coach. Well, Phenomenal since coach. since we started the podcast, like the Thunder have been so bad, we have never. I don't think we've ever really. I know. Talked to you. We haven't had. You could always about. tell Dagnall's a good coach, though, or Dagnall. You could always tell he knows what he's doing, and he kind of had to, to suck a little bit on purpose, maybe, and just he could experiment however he wanted to. But it'll be exciting to see when we're playing very very serious games, and and he's um, drawing stuff up. Sure. Yeah. All right. Well, Eddie. Uh, we once again really appreciate you joining us. It's always uh anytime, always guys. Last. Anytime. Uh, always always good always good to catch up with you guys. Yeah. Well uh let's uh on into the uh the abyss of the, the college football offseason. Yeah. yeah, no no cat no doubt. It's uh it's it's kind of a interesting time now that the portals died down and just gotta wait for spring ball and then it'll be here. Yep. Yep. All right. Thanks, Eddie. Thanks, Eddie. You bet guys. See you. Anytime. All right.